0: Welcome to Maker Skills, Exploring Your Internal Toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back everyone to episode 68. Skill topic for this week. Courtesy of last week's guest, Keith Johnson, is wilderness survival skills. We couldn't think of anything clever to call that like survivalizing, so we're just gonna go with what it's actually called. But, um, uh, but yeah. yeah.
1: Wilderness. Sur- survivalizing just, uh, would have been a great survivalizing. idea. Survivalizing. We should have done that.
0: It's too I, late I, now.
1: If I'd have known that, I would have sure. not researched that instead of not researching wilderness survival. What skill level right. is that, PJ?
0: Wilderness survival is a Class 8 skill. Class 8? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I it's,
2: disagree.
1: If you're, like, surviving and you're in the wilderness, you've already got a good start.
0: Well, you might change your mind when we get to the history and fun facts, which uh, we're gonna okay. do right now. Tom what research did you yep. do on history and fun uh,
2: facts? I uh,
0: on survival I
2: wanted to ruin I wanted to ruin your evening so I went with um, wilderness survival superstitions. So oh. I googled that and didn't I didn't find anything good. so I wrote my own <laughs> and uh, here we go. Uh, number one, do not wear socks inside out unless your underwear is also inside out. Mm. Good, good thinking. W-
0: what happens if you do? Uh, you die Oh wow, that's pretty harsh so no one should ever do that yeah. then.
2: right right uh, number two, never bring a folding knife on trails marked in blue, even if it's a blue orange or a blue red trail
0: is that also under penalty of death
2: yeah die you die
0: Are all these yep. superstitions you die if you don't do the thing
2: well we'll see we'll see there's more <laughs> <clears throat> uh never show never share trail mix with someone that starts a hike in the third position unless it's a friday
0: what's the third position
2: like uh, the first guy into the woods, second guy into the woods, third guy. Don't oh, give him trail oh, mix. Okay. Unless it's Friday. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah.
2: Right. Naturally. Mm-hmm. O- also death. Also. Oh also wow! So it's like
0: poison trail mix.
2: No, you die. He's fine. Third guy's fine.
0: Wow. This is some harsh yeah, superstitions. Sure that's, are, are any of these probably,
1: superstitions probably should just should bad just luck? Giving your trail mix to him.
2: <clears throat> uh, Maybe the fourth one uh, If a tree has moss growing on its south side Don't pee near it I feel like that's just good advice
0: mm, I mean Possibly I mean yeah. as, long, as long as it's not like a A gang tree You know you don't mm. want to get into a turf war with the south side
2: hmm. That's true That's true I'm not sure if that one's death, but I would—I uh, just go ahead and assume it.
0: I, I think uh, well, if it's I'm growing on the, the south one.
1: side, you may be in an area that's uh, in the southern hemisphere, right? Yeah, but and there are a lot of think like about crazy, crazy and bugs and stuff around that you wouldn't want to be—you wouldn't even want to have your pants right. down around I'm, them.
2: I'm, yeah, so yeah,
0: I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure that if you pee on a tree in the south side, you get an, uh, a urinary tract infection.
2: Yeah, and that's why that sounds, you
0: die. Yeah, then you right. die. That's okay. that's even worse.
2: Then you die. Seems seems believable. These yeah. hold water. Uh and last but not least, if you bring scissors on a hike, y- y- you'll die. Oh. oh, that's that's a scissor
1: superstition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've already covered that.
2: And and, f- and for anybody that just started listening to us due to Keith's episode, scissors are a problem in a lot of superstitions. Yeah,
0: yeah. Go back to the first five episodes and listen to all those. You'll find out. It's one of the first five. I don't remember which one, but...
2: Yep. Now, for the record, now that I've read the superstitions that I wrote, they are now technically in history, and that was the history research that I did.
1: Yeah. I've already started the Wikipedia page just based on listening to this podcast, (laughs) and it's not even out yet. That's valid.
0: That's valid, yeah. Uncontestable. All right, I I have to say, Tom, I didn't find any superstitions other than superstition mountain. I know, so. I actually looked. I wasn't yeah. lying. <laughs> I, I I appreciate you putting in the effort, man. All right, Tanda. You're so what You're uh, what did you find?
1: Well, I, I wanted to avoid any any actual wilderness superstitions or wilderness survival skills. So I looked around until I found uh, some interesting urban survival skills. And there's a long list, and I'm not going to read a whole bunch of them, but uh, I found a few to be interesting. There are like some 50 on the list, but uh, demolition and deconstruction was one of them, which is, you know, kind of makes sense. You need to be able to uh, skillfully destroy completely or carefully and take apart things. So that sounds like that's, my childhood. That's a good one. Um, selective parkour was on the list, which I found funny and interesting. Utilizing the situationality. Useful elements such as urban mountain climbing for evasion or transport. So that's on there. Uh, gray man mentality: the concept of blending in with a crowd or type of people being various urban camouflage techniques. This sounds
0: a lot like James Bond's resume. Like, yeah, you know,
1: I don't know. I uh, maybe someone. Do you guys know what SLYK is? Maybe you can Google that, uh, Tom. But uh, isn't that a zipper brand? It's restricted. Well, it's restricted. like S period, L period, Y period, K period. Hopefully that doesn't come up as something uh, that we shouldn't be talking about. But it's restricted. You actually have to have a login on the on the website to even know what you're supposed to do with that. So I thought that was funny, just that it was restricted. Um, <laughs> as, as is a couple of these others. Uh, weather conditioning. Hardening and optimizing your body to withstand and be functional in harsh temperatures and weather. I was walking the dog recently, and it's like 22 degrees, and I see people sleeping out alongside my, you know, like along the road where I walk my dog, just like in a sleeping bag and a blanket. It's crazy. Just street people.
2: T- Tanner, was that S-Y-L-K or
1: S L Y K. Uh, no, you got nothing. Oh man, you're gonna to have to sign up for the website, I guess. I'm,
0: I mean, it sounds then, to me like somebody that was real slick put that on there.
1: Here's a here's another urban uh, urban survival skill: sleeping, a necessary oh. function of life to survive. The ability to sleep anywhere at any time as a strategy. is how it's worded. I
0: mean, I'm pretty sure you could sleep in a residential area. Also, it's not necessarily the
1: urban survival. Right, trap setting. For the wilderness, it's for hunting and small game. But for the urban environment, it's for proximity, security, and defense. So, mm. you know, if you have you a bear trap or something, someone's sneaking up on your camp, the screams will alert you that they've been <laughs> caught in your bear trap. So, it's an effective, effective alarm. Vehicular hot wiring—that's another one that's restricted unless you have uh, unless you have the access to the site. You can't you can't dig down into the one-sentence description of what vehicular hot wiring means. <laughs> uh, plumbing, an urban skill set that's useful in everyday life. And when the world ends, and you have to do it yourself. So, you know, in the post-apocalyptic world, it's really hard to get a hold of a plumber, I guess.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, mm. Dumpster diving and disguise shifting.
0: Disguise also, shifting.
1: Also restricted. So if you want to know... You know, the sentence that describes what disguise shifting means, again, you're gonna to have to you'll have to sign up.
0: Isn't that when you just wear a trench coat and you look shifty?
1: Right. Yeah. Morris code. So this is this is one that I have, but their explanation is when phones, satellites, the internet, and even radio goes out, this type of telecommunication will prevail. Now if <laughs> phones, satellite The internet and even radio goes out. I'm not sure what kind of in telecommunication they're talking about, unless you're just banging a telephone receiver on a table and sounding out some Morse code. I
2: think. I feel like yelling out the window will take over. Will take over. Like that would. Yeah. yeah. No, I I, I would. I I would
1: agree that Morse code is probably the easiest way to like hack together a radio and send something or some kind of thing. But they specifically say all those things are gone. Uh, I think so, that
0: you're just left with uh, two two bean cans and a string at that point, Tanda.
1: Right, but you can't talk over the bean cans. You have to, you know, you have to be like a, da, da, da 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 da.
0: Well, you take a pen and you just tap on the can, and the other person's listening at the other
1: end. Right. The, the method of loci, an advanced memory recollection and retainment strategy using visual and spatial reasoning. Which is a well-known method for like, like memory. If you ever like study, like memorizing decks of cards or whatever, I've, oh, used my for, I've used it for memorizing long speeches. But why you would need it to, you know, for urban survival, other than maybe just remembering where you left things? Yeah. So there's some there's some funny ones on here. Sink laundry, uh, sink know, laundry, washing and drying by hand in the sink without a machine. Anti that, and that's right before anti facial recognition. I thought all the computers were down. Uh, yeah, they're 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 all down except for the facial recognition cameras <laughs> and all of the internet backbone <laughs> and computers that are still running to do that. Once again, restricted fuel siphoning.
0: Uh, oh, uh, I, I I had somebody siphon fuel out of my truck last week.
1: Oh, probably an urban survivalist just out practicing. They'll probably give it back. I, I it was probably just a drill.
0: I, I don't know, but this that, that seriously just happened to me. thats uh, I'm, I'm in a tiny town, too. It happened at four in the morning. Uh, somebody, because my, my security light went off, my neighbor's camera caught it, but we didn't see who did it. But I came outside the next day, and my gas door was open, and the cap was just hanging on the side of the truck. Like, they didn't even bother to, like— screw it back on so to cover their tracks so I'm like oh so I, I went and I, I looked yeah. on uh, eBay and I found a locking Mopar gas cap that that covers all like American made cars from like 2000 to 2015 I got it for $6 of free shipping so mm. and he's not getting any more of my gas
1: right I'll, I'll leave you I'll leave you with this last one um which uh, in the context of all telecommunication is completely gone we're using morris code but number 49 is reduced public task fixation and what? this is be reduced public task fixation t-a-s-k Ta- task fixation who's fixated this, on tasks this this is being more alert by being less fixated on current tasks, such as using your mobile phone in public spaces. <laughs> okay. And you're probably uh, using your phone to, like, scratch out some Morse code or something, you know, by just Morris. rubbing it on a park bench, which I, I can sometimes take a lot of your, uh, you know,
0: hmm.
1: your So many questions uh, about
0: fixation. the author of this post here. That's, yeah. Uh, so, I don't know.
1: But uh, yeah, so this is the sort of uh, sort of advice you'll find on the internet for surviving the zombie apocalypse.
0: Well, that's great. That's um, fantastic and somewhat disturbing at the same time, Tanda. Yeah, Adam. what'd
1: you find, PJ?
0: Well, I couldn't find any superstitions, as Tom pointed out. So I looked for survival fun facts, and I found a list of ten. And um, i got to be honest, some of the stuff in here, it's kind of scary. Didn't know it. But um, this is like actual, everything I'm reading you is 100% the truth. Not making anything up. Just putting that out there. Um, there are some interesting things. Uh, the first thing is, uh, water, number one is water is needed for survival in the wilderness. Humans need eight cups of water each day. I am Definitely not drinking eight cups of water a day, and I'm not in the wilderness. So that, that's. Oh, but something. if
1: you were, False. you would need eight cups of water. Yeah. Yeah, only in the wilderness. The wilderness will dehydrate you.
0: Uh, when 1% of the total water weight of a person's body is lost, the person will feel thirsty. Didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> this one is a little suspect. 16 drops of bleach will treat 1 gallon of
1: water. I did know that my my stepmom went through a prepper phase after I like headed off to college and she collected all these old glass bottles, like big wine bottles and stuff, and mm-hmm. she was putting them down in the cellar um filled with water, but with the requisite number of drops of bleach in each one so that it was Extra chlorinated, I guess. I mean, it was tap water, so it was already chlorinated. But
0: well, yeah. there's, there's and they sat there until we cleaned use. them out. There's, there's other things later. you can use besides bleach. Um, yeah. There. Well, when I when I would go on camping, we had these little um what were they? Uh, ben, benzene? They were little tabs, little pills that you dissolved in the water. I can't remember what they were made mm-hmm. of. But it it. it that, that made it safe to drink but that follows along with the next thing which is approximately 4,000 people are treated annually for drinking contaminated water in the United States and the last little sub fact is that a person can survive without water for 3 to 5 days so that I knew
1: <clears throat> which kind of uh, defeats the fact that you need 8 cups of water a day
0: I think that's to be comfortable, but um, oh, okay. I don't know. It's not very clear. Uh, number two, food needed for surviving in the wilderness. A person can survive without food for approximately 30 days. Insects and bugs are high in protein and great survival foods. So that's if you run out mm-hmm. of um, Cliff Bars or whatever you brought with you or Tom's Trail Mix. Number three temperature most hypothermia cases develop between 30 to 50 degrees uh, body temperature only has to drop two degrees for hypothermia to begin I did not know oh. that two degrees is yeah, not very much yeah, yeah it's not a, not a lot uh, this is another really interesting fun fact I've never heard add 37. To the number of chirps a cricket makes in fifteen seconds to determine the approximate temperature.
1: I, I remember doing that when I was little. We heard that I read that in some book, and it it doesn't. I I'm not sure that that's true because we did it and did it and did it and and of course you kind of remember it when it's like it worked, it worked, and then you listen for a little while later, and there's and you know the crickets kind of randomly are chirping. And you're like uh, that. Now it's not working anymore. Well,
0: the other thing that kind of bothers me about this advice is it does not say whether it's in Celsius or Fahrenheit. So it's completely useless information, in my opinion. Uh, I
1: think I think it's in Fahrenheit.
0: Well, it's right. it's it's debatable. They don't say, but the last little bit on temperature says. The body loses heat 25 times faster in the water than it does in the air, which to me is just kind of common sense. Yeah. Number four, universal distress calls. Three is the universal signal number for distress. I've never heard that. Uh, When you discover you are lost, stay where you are. Yell help. Help or blow a whistle three times to signal you are lost. Wait several seconds, then turn 90 degrees and try again. Keep doing this. If someone yells back, let them come to you. Because huh. you can get lost in an echoey canyon. So, um, so there's that. Uh, number five is just called STOP, S-T-O-P, which stands for Sit, Think, Observe, and Plan. But the P is also for prepare for survival by gathering materials. It's a double P. Yeah, and P. Uh, and P. Yeah, you, if have you need P to. also. Uh, it basically says when you realize but save you're it
1: lost, in case you run out of water.
0: <laughs> in the first ten minutes of being lost, are when most fatalities um, happen in in the wild. Uh, this basically is telling you to stay calm and use your head, not your feet, and that way you will survive. First ten, people, people. first ten minutes. First ten yeah. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're
2: not even lost.
0: Not well. In your mind, you are. In your mind, you're lost. I don't know. So people panic.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can see that red as the for the decisions you make in the first ten minutes mm-hmm. might result right. in it. You know, you may not die in the first ten minutes, but yeah. Uh,
0: I don't know. I'm just reading what this shifty website said.
1: Uh, number six. <laughs> Shifty website. You said all of these were absolutely 100% true. Absolutely true. (laughs) They are
0: 100% true. Yes, 100% true. Uh, Number six, items needed for surviving in the wilderness, according to Charlie Shemansky of the Mountain Rescue. Okay. Uh, These are the things you need to carry with you when you're out in the wilderness. You need a U.S. geological survey, topographical map, and magnetic compass, which... I carry. Uh, You need a flashlight with extra batteries and bulbs. I got a flashlight. I don't have any extra stuff. Uh, Extra clothing, including mittens, hat, jacket, and rain gear. I might have like half of that. Sunglasses. I got that. Extra food and water. This is a little bit debatable. What is considered extra? You're, You're taking it with you to eat and drink so is this water that you weren't planning on using while you were in the wilderness I mean I don't know more, I don't more than
1: more than more than what you think you'll use I'm yeah saying.
0: I don't know that that's that's a little suspect uh, waterproof matches in a waterproof container yeah I got that uh, candle or fire starter uh, that seems like kind of a mixed bag right there candle or fire starter to me is two different things you need a fire starter to use on a candle
1: oh it says or a candle or a fire starter yeah
0: it's got it's got a forward slash so it's hmm. i don't know it doesn't say and it's it's like either or i don't i don't trust that pocket
1: knife maybe,
0: yeah I, I agree maybe it means
1: knife. like some kind of accelerant like like wax would be you know like fire starter like some kind of fluid or something for starting fires or or wax maybe. i think you should you
0: should write for this site tanda i think you've got some good ideas here I You're think
1: saying.
0: so. I I did write this site. All right. So uh, pocket knife. I carry one of those. I agree with that. First aid kit. Mm, I carry band aids. I probably should. I probably should have a, a better kit than that, though.
1: I should carry one of those big ones, like you have on the wall at work, as a backpack.
0: I'm not carrying that. <laughs> um, and then got the last band aids for everybody. The last thing you need is a space blanket or two large heavy duty trash bags. I definitely don't have that. I'm not going to space.
1: I have trash bags in my, like, out, Wait, was that, outdoor stuff, but I don't have a space blanket. Was
2: that, was that the last thing?
0: That was the things that you need to carry with you in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. All right.
2: So so I have a question. As you are talking, this idea popped into my head. You know how I think even in the movie 127 Hours, the guy had his cell phone on him. Is that correct? you uh, recall? I
1: don't is know. Is that the one where the guy's trapped between the rocks? His arm is, like, caught yeah. in the... Yeah, um, yep. I think he may have, but he couldn't. I think he fumbled around with it early on, and it dropped or something, or okay. it ran out, ran down, something like well, that. Well,
2: I would, I would assume he didn't have signal, right? But most people going out in the U.S. Let's just talk about where we live, right? They're gonna bring their cell phone with them most of those times. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now that doesn't mean they have service. But shouldn't the rescue helicopter act as a cell phone tower?
0: It, it, are you you are you suggesting that they should install they should a they mobile should have cell, cell
1: service in the rescue helicopter so that suddenly someone yes. lost would get
2: service? Yes, and get an amber alert.
0: Uh, Tom, that's
2: saying that's we a, know you're lost. That's a good idea. This, um, Your family
1: but, has been notified, and and they didn't respond, and for the, the, a, for a week, <laughs> and then they said we don't care. The problem no.
0: with that idea, Tom, is that uh, rescue hop helicopters don't just fly around; like they have to be called when there's a rescue. So it, it's I like the idea. Well, the but, if, if good, lost, but if you were lost, if you were, but I I see, see
1: Tom's the, point. If you were lost, if you knew somebody was lost, you could fly a mobile cell tower around.
2: Um, sending out right. an alert and the people could respond you could even do it with weather balloons you could deploy balloons across Yosemite National Park when someone's lost that would relay a cell phone signal and then and then you just wrap the balloons up after you find them because they have their cell phone it would be so easy
0: I think it would actually be cheaper to put up cell towers just, uh, yeah, just but you saying you don't want cell towers in yeah, Yosemite y-
2: National Park just well,
1: and you and to cover that wide of range. No, that's an interesting idea. I wonder if it's been it's being
2: done. How wide of a area could a single helicopter provide a signal?
0: Well, it depends on how right? how line high of, up the line helicopter of is for
2: for a ways. I mean, it could be miles. Couldn't it be miles?
0: It depends how high up the helicopter is. All cell towers are at a set, you know, with with the exception of like you know geographic elevation they're they're let's say yeah 200 feet up this could be
2: unique tech this is unique technology that's putting out a signal yeah they could just they they could could just build specific for this purpose and it could be directional too
0: Uh, hey i think you should pitch it let's start a kickstarter you know what
2: and the person well the other thing is the person doesn't even need to respond the person could be passed out but being able to ping that cell phone and the cell phone tower would know that the cell phone is connected to it like that's a thing so they could at least know the area and then they could diminish their their cone of signal god we got to build this people uh, people are lost you would need
0: 3 towers to triangulate where the signal is not just no, one
1: no you just have one flying tower no, you've already got just it on a helicopter one flying so you, tower you just get a signal from 3 3 one, places
0: one tower on a helicopter does not help you yep. triangulate where a signal is yeah it but the helicopter can
1: fly the helicopter can fly to three different places Oh easily. My God. <laughs> Boom. Boom. All right. We're moving on. Roasted. And moving it's not on. really a tower on a helicopter. Yeah. Just to be clear, it's a, it's a cell let's antenna. Let's move
2: on from the the single good idea we've ever had on this show, <laughs> and let's never talk about it again. It's fine.
1: Okay. It's a it's a deal.
0: Yeah. Okay. Number it's seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number I thought s-
2: you were done. I waited till the end.
0: I said I was done with the things you had to bring with you. That was one oh, section. Man. Okay. <laughs> these, are, these are fun facts about wilderness survival, Tom. This is number seven. Here's where it starts to get a little interesting. Rescue incidents. Uh, from 1992 to 2007, there were 78,488 individuals involved in 65,439 search and rescue incidents in the United States national parks. So this number is important.
1: Mm, go out with a lot of people
0: well because on
1: yeah. a, on average that means that there's only like one and a half people lost per permission so mm-hmm. if you go out with five people <laughs> your odds are good uh
0: there were two thousand six hundred and fifty nine fatalities okay oh, during good. this time okay
1: helicopter cell phone tower out of what out saved of a lot of lives. out of sixty nine thousand seventy nine thousand there were 2, out of 000? out of
0: sixty five thousand four hundred thirty nine, there was two thousand six hundred fifty nine fatalities. Okay. Okay. Now the, keep keep these numbers in mind where this is gonna this is gonna come together. There was twenty four thousand two hundred and eighty eight ill or injured individuals, and then we have thirteen thousand twelve hundred. Uh, I'm sorry, thirteen thousand two hundred twelve saves. Okay. So if we add these three numbers together, we get 40,159. Now, if you remember, the number of incidents was 65,439, which means that there are 25,280 people missing that they never found. They're just gone.
1: It's awesome. Yeah. Or they didn't fall into one of those categories.
0: I don't know but that's not inspiring to you right now. People shouldn't be going in the wilderness if they don't know what they're doing. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Number eight. Uh, Here's where we get to Tom's helicopter idea. Rescue expenses. Search and rescue operations are expensive. On average, the United States Park Services responds to 11.2 incidents daily, which costs around $895 per operation. And I multiplied this out. So that's 10,000, a little over $10,000 a day, or 3.6 million per year. And just in rescues, nothing else. In 1998, the Denali National Park in Alaska rescued eight climbers by helicopter over a course of five days. And it took, this rescue took, uh, it cost $220,000. So helicopters are expensive. Uh, Grand Teton National Park had the record high of two hundred nineteen thousand dollars in two thousand eleven. Uh, the park completed thirty-three major searches, so that's not even helicopter. That's just searching, and then to rescue one hiker in Rocky Mountain National Park in May of two thousand fourteen, cost forty-one thousand dollars. So, forty-one thousand. Forty-one thousand for one guy yeah i don't I don't know they don't give you the details, but this, this stuff is expensive. All right number nine is uh most common types of rescues uh forty eight percent are hiking and twenty one percent are boating, which I really wouldn't think of boating as being in the wilderness, but apparently it's a metric. and then the last thing is the ten number ten is types of accidents in national parks. Uh, hiking is 22.8 percent. Suicides are 12.1, which I wouldn't consider suicide an accident. Uh, swimming is 10.1 percent, and then boating is 10.1 percent. So there's a lot of a lot of wiggle room in there for the other types of fatalities. But there's um, a lot of reason you shouldn't go out in the woods or or on a boat, apparently. And, uh, and that's it. Those are all my fun facts Kind of ended on a downturn, though. I don't think it wasn't very fun. We're going to move on.
1: Well, think of all those people that went out in the wilderness and actually survived.
0: They they didn't report how many people that was.
2: Listen, I'm posting this helicopter cell phone tower to the smarter everyday Reddit. So everybody go in there and thumbs it up. Thanks. (laughs) You
0: just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. All right, so my dry spell has ended and I caught a, a bargain yesterday. All right, so this is called the double back deal. This was, this was interesting. It just let me know that my junk hunter senses are still working. So this guy named Craig put up an ad a couple weeks ago for a table saw that was in really bad condition. And looking at it, it looked like one of the 19, early 1930s Delta models. Uh, He thought it was a Craftsman because it had a Craftsman motor, but that wasn't in the picture, and had it up for 50 bucks, and the table was all rusty, and it looked like it was in bad condition, but uh, it was on a wooden table, and I figured, let me me test this guy out a little bit. So I asked him for pictures of the motor to see if it was a Delta motor, because I knew it was a Delta saw, and he sends me this Craftsman, and I knew... That I could sell a craftsman half horsepower motor for a table saw for 60 to 100 bucks on eBay because I've done it before. So I'm like, um, I'm like, Look, 50 is no good for me, but if you take 25, I'll take it. And he goes, Well, it's not mine. It's for the guy that I'm, I'm renting his garage. I work on cars. Let me ask him. So he gets back to me and he's like, Yeah, he'll take 25. And, and he's like, When can you come get it? I'm like, I'll Come today. So I drive out there and The guy is a super cool dude. The the garage is gigantic. Like, I could fit my house in there. It was really, really big. Uh, And he rebuilds Corvettes. He started a business during the pandemic. He has a full-time job, but on the side, he rebuilds, like, 1980s Corvettes. And he had, like, five or six Corvettes in there and then, like, a whole bunch of different parts. And he he had a Firebird Trans Am in there from the 80s. And he had all these other cars in there, very cool stuff. But we were just talking and talking and talking and like we're sort of like taking I'm taking the saw apart to get it into the truck. And uh, in the process of doing so, I somehow missed the table saw fence. So I drive all the way home, which this was only 20 minutes away. I drive home and I unload everything. And then I'm looking and I'm like, oh, man, where's the fence? So I text the guy back and I'm like, yeah, I think I left a fence there. And he sends me a picture, he goes, you mean this? And I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. He's like, well, do you want to come get it now? And I'm like, yeah, I'll come get it now. So I drive back there, and I'm like, I probably should look around and see if there's any other, like, accessories that we didn't find, you know, because we weren't paying attention because we are talking about cars. And so he's like, oh, well, this all got moved from another location. All the stuff is over here on the shelving unit. So we walk around to this spot that I hadn't been before, and he's got like all these tools in boxes on the shelving unit. And he starts pulling stuff off, looking for anything that might go to the table saw. And in the process, he pulls off uh, in, its, in its original metal like toolbox container, a 1960s Craftsman three-wheeled locomotive belt sander, which that was the last dealer's corner I did. I got one from the 50s. So here's the one from the 60s. So it's like I'm collecting from every year, apparently. Mm-hmm. So he he has that. And then he looks through another box, which I can see has a Stanley 55 molding plane in there. And it looks like there's other stuff. And so we didn't find anything else for the table saw. But I'm like, hey, ask the guy if he's willing to sell these two things. I'm interested. So he calls the guy up. and The guy's like, yeah, just take a fair offer. So he's like, well, what do you offer me for these? And I'm like, I normally pick up the the sanders for like 10 bucks. And I said, and the, the the molding plane, I don't know, 15. So I said, how about 25, does that sound good? He goes, how about 30? I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fine. So I grabbed that. So this way I, I had come back twice. So I got more than what I originally went for. So I took everything home and I unloaded the molding plane, the Stanley 55 molding plane box, which was a wooden box. It ended up having 19 blades that went with it and a bunch of accessories that I've never even seen before. And it was in good condition. I looked it up on eBay, and one that was similar to the one that I have sold for about $790 last month. <laughs> so um, that had a complete set of blades, which apparently there's 55 different blades that go with it. I only have 19 but it's worth the $15 investment. So that was it. Those are my bargains.
1: That's good. You could probably even part out all the blades and sell them if they're something that people are still using.
0: Blades are hard to come by. Were
1: those deals hard enough for
0: you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in. Maybe we'll read it on air. All right, it's time for personal history. Tom, what is your personal history with wilderness survival?
2: Uh, I've never done it. I've never been in the wilderness, especially alone. Uh, I've gone camping plenty, and I've... Camping counts, Tom.
0: Camping counts. You have to survive.
2: Uh, it's not wilderness survival.
0: Um, You're in the wilderness when you camp.
2: Pretty sure we went to Denny's for breakfast. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, you didn't go far into the wilderness.
2: <laughs> we were right, no, in, right there in the edge, in fact, edge of the wilderness. Yeah, our <laughs> car was 10 feet from our tent.
1: Oh, yeah. That still counts. You're
0: not at home.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was always, like, a cool thing to think about and talk about as a kid. Like, um, you know... We always had, like, pocket knives and stuff like that, pretty young, relatively young. Um, but that's that's as far as it. I mean, you know what? My Most, most of my knowledge comes from that book, The Hatchet. Uh, I think that's what it's called. And um, I think that was about a kid that went in the wilderness for years. I don't even remember why. And uh, that's about all I got, though.
0: Hmm. I thought that The Hatchet was one of those murder mystery Friday the Thirteenth movies.
2: No, do you know that book?
1: No, no, not familiar right, with it.
2: I'll give you a quick book report in the next five minutes.
0: Okay.
1: Have you Tanda? Have you heard the story of the of this young young man that I think he was like fourteen, fifteen, eight. You know, he wasn't wasn't really old, and he just wandered off in the wilderness, not too far from all of these cabins around this are these houses around this lake, and it was like, I don't know the like the hermit of or the you know ghost man of something lake or something. And he just lived there in his little like hideout for, I don't know like 20 years or something. It's been a long time wow. since I heard it, like a really long time, and people would just find things missing from their homes like, magazines or meat out of the freezer or whatever, and they finally caught him, like, taking taking steaks out of, like, a Boy Scout, you know, ranch place or something like that, um, like, many, many, many years later, and he served a little bit of time and then was was released, but it was kind of this... He, he lived out there long enough and did this long enough that it was kind of like this urban legend of, like, things missing from people's houses and and really? stuff. Yeah, wow. and, and he was... You know an adult, and by the time they finally caught him, he had just been out there for ever. He just wandered off. It was like tired of dealing with people. I think he was a little bit you know um had some kind of mental um something going on when he i think wandered off brilliance, but but I could be yeah, wrong. no, I mean, so that that would be interesting.
0: Well, it's an interesting. I haven't heard that story before, Tana. It's very interesting. Did you? It, did there's you lots any? of
1: people reporting on the net. I, I think I, you know, like most kids. I think, especially if you grow <clears> up <throat> rural, you kind of, um, you know, kind of imagine what it would be like, or you, you know, you go out for all day long. You take a little bit of stuff, and you go down by the river or whatever, and you kind of pretend like you're, you know, a survivalist or something, but never anything you know, too, too real. And we, we hunted and fished and did a little bit of that. Um, and I remember buying like a Jarvo blowgun, the survival blowgun that you could get from the back of like a popular mechanics magazine or anything. And I still have it. Um, and so got really good at that actually as a kid, but, uh, um, I don't think I, you know, well, I guess I, if I needed to, I could survive on the little critters and stuff that we we shot with our blowguns. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever kind of like Tom. I mean, been out camping, but not probably the furthest I've backpacked, like out away from, you know, maybe 17, 18 miles, something like that. I don't know, you know, what would be the wilderness, but We've backpacked up and over the Continental Divide um, in Colorado, but that was you know a situation, and we didn't this was before we had cell phones or anything. So we would have just been stuck out there trying to signal somebody with a fire or something. Hmm. So and you you get, I mean, I, I remember waking up one morning and it had it was in the spring. But it was still, it was kind of early spring and it had started snowing and we were in our tent and we woke up and I remember waking up and just seeing like the tent, like blotted out. Like you could tell that the sun was up, but the tent was dark. And so we opened up the flap and there was like three inches of snow on the ground. And we wow. were like, we've got to get going. We've got to get moving. You know, we were all kind of in, in a bit of a panic. It was just myself and my friend. And so we, uh, um, you know, we gathered up our stuff, we packed up our, our, stuff. And we started hiking down the, down the trail and, uh, got well down the trail. And of course it was because it was the spring as we got down off of the divide and started going down all these switchbacks and losing a lot of altitude quickly. And I remember we were talking about how glad we were, we were going down all of these switchbacks instead of, uh, going up them and we get, Oh, I don't know. We're probably, uh, eight miles in to the day and we run into these guys coming up and they're like, Oh, where are you, where are you coming from? We're coming up from the, from the dam. And we're like, Oh, the dam's on the other side of the divide. And they're like, we're, we're coming up from the dam. We just, we just left. And we're like, Oh man. And so we had, you know, in the snow, we couldn't see the trail. Um, and we just started following what in turned out to be like a sheep trail. (laughs) And, uh, and we were way off, and we were trying to get back, uh, you know, we were trying to make something like 15, 13, 14 miles that day anyway um, down the mountain. And uh, and so we ended up hiking like 20, 30 miles that day or something because we had made this wrong turn essentially and uh, hiked, ended up having to hike back up all of those switchbacks and back off the other side. And, you know, that's probably as close as I've been to just being out for, a number of, you know, number of days just catching fish to eat and, um, you know, cooking food over a campfire, but Mm. I don't know. I think we'd like to think we would do really well out in the woods by ourselves, but the reality is we're probably, if you haven't practiced it, it'd probably run into Mm -hmm. a lot of things you hadn't taken into account. So that's my tiny bit of what might be considered wilderness survival. And mm. now I'm more interested in, like, the kind of the what-if scenario of if we did have power grids and stuff go down and communications and everything, um, you know, how would you, how would you survive and how self-sufficient could you be just where you're at right now? So that's kind of interesting. Without, I, without being a prepper, I, I find, you know, that sort of stuff interesting.
0: Well, it'd make it a lot harder to podcast. That's for sure.
1: Oh yeah, we'd almost definitely be podcasting in Morse code.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to. I have to concur. That, that's very true. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and your experience with wilderness survival, PG?
0: I mean, camping for sure, but uh, backpacking is where I would definitely put it. I had. Uh, I've got two two instances that I could talk about. Um, one, I, I, I went by myself I'm, well, let me back up. I went to this one spot by myself, but then I came back with, with my ex-girlfriend and her mother.
1: <laughs> so that is the strangest wilderness survival story I think I've ever heard. <laughs> so I went into the wilderness.
0: yeah, yeah. so I had um, I lived in New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey. Part of the Appalachian Trail takes you up to High Point, New Jersey, which is, like it sounds, it's the highest point in New Jersey. And I have this habit of going off-map. I always have a map and a compass, but I I will—not off-map. I go off the trail. If I see something interesting on the map, I will go off the trail because I want to explore, and I don't want to go where everybody else has been. So I was looking for some place to camp, and I like water— So I found uh, this little area that was uh, a confluence of these little streams, and there was sort of like this corner um, where the streams met like a T-junction, and then there was forest, and there was this natural depression in the ground. And it sort of, where the depression was, it sort of ramped up a little bit. and. It looked like the natural place to make a fire because you wouldn't, it wouldn't go anywhere. You know, you wouldn't have to worry about it burning something. And it had this really weird effect. You build a fire in there, like a normal size campfire, but because it was a depression and it had these ramped up sides, if you walked eight feet away, you couldn't see it. It was completely hidden. You could only see the fire if you were right on top of it. I'm like, wow, that's like the perfect fire. Like, you don't have to worry about anybody seeing you from miles away if you're trying to, like, stay hidden. So that was kind of a neat little thing. And I had... I'd been dating this woman, this girl, in college. And she... um, While we were dating, I was telling her mother... um, She's she's Puerto Rican, and her mother is from Puerto Rico directly. She grew up there. And so I was telling her about camping... And her mother was super old school. She's, she's like, I want to go. I want to go camping. And I'm like, okay, I'll take you camping. And then in, in the meantime, me and her daughter broke up. But I loved her mother because <laughs> she was a total sweetheart. And she fed me really good food. And, and so my ex is calling me up. She's like, my mom wants to go camping. She's been bugging me all week. <laughs> so I took them camping. And what I found hilarious was her mother – who I I don't know how old she was, but let's just say she was like in her late 40s. Her mother didn't complain once, okay? She had a backpack full of stuff, food and all the other stuff. And she was trucking along and my ex complained every single minute of the trip. (laughs) She hated it. And every time she started complaining, I just looked at her mother and her mother just didn't say anything she just did. <laughs> she was she like she spoke broken English like she was not she was like Spanish was her main language mm. um but anyway that was that was the, that's trip number one um the next thing is definitely on the order of wilderness survival so um it actually i was thinking about this earlier and I couldn't remember uh his name until i started t- like speaking the story out uh there was a friend of mine named Jimmy. Not Deresta, but this this guy I had when I was in high school. I had started a business selling paintball supplies, and I had my own paintball team. And I can't remember exactly how Jimmy came along, but he was on the team. And somehow or another, we decided that we were going to go camping. We're going to go backpacking together. So this is like somewhere around, let's say, 1992, and it's in July and we're going on, I think it was like the, the 6th of July. Jimmy was shorter than me, and he was kind of overweight. And he was still hungover from the 4th of July. <laughs> so we go up to High Point, and we're – now, I should point out, it's like 110 degrees. It's, it's hot, and we've got mm. full backpacks full of stuff. And we're we're trudging along, but Jimmy's hungover, so he's stopping like every ten minutes. He's like he's just, like I actually have a picture of him. Uh, there's a part of the trail where it's uh, there's like these flat rock faces that are just slightly angled, so they're, they're not completely flat. There's like a I don't know like a three to five degree pitch, and he is laying on his back, flat out on these like a beached whale. And I'm I'm taking <laughs> pictures of him, laughing at him, so he's like flipping me off. So I can't like we I, I'm like come on Jim, we got to get up, we got to find a place to camp before it gets dark. And so I keep getting him to move like ten minutes at a time, but every time he stops, we're stopped for like twenty minutes. And um, so we're we're you know he's he's annoying me, but we're both suffering in the heat. So I was like all right, hold on, and I pull out the map. And I'm like, look, if we go off the trail and we go straight down this hill, there's a lake through that part of the woods. We could go down to the water. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's go down to the water. So we, we go straight down this side of a mountain, go right down to the lake. And the both of us are so hot, we just get right to the lake, hit the releases on the backpacks, and we just go right into the water. And we're just like stewing around in the water because it's, it's you know, we were hot and it was cool. So I got, you know, I'm cooled off. I get out. And as I'm getting out, there's this little inlet, like a, almost like a kiddie pool off of the lake. And it's all still stagnant water. And I see something sticking out of it. So I go over and I, I pick it up. And it is I would say either a third or a fourth of a turtle shell that was roughly two feet across. It was huge. Like, this was like like sea turtle size, right? Mm-hmm. But the turtle shell had ridges going along the sides, which meant that it was a snapper turtle. Because I, I, I knew all about turtles from when I was on the Boy Scouts, and you could recognize turtles from their shells. So I'm like, Jimmy, man, you need to get out of the water. And he's like, man, I ain't getting out of the water. <laughs> he was he was, he was, was suffering. I'm like, Jimmy, you got to get out of the water, man. Look. And I hold it up. He goes, is that? And I go, dude, this is like a third of a snapper turtle, okay? If there's another one of these in the water, it's going to take your leg off. He goes, I don't f about any snapper turtle. I'm not getting out of the water. I'm like, Jimmy, you need to get out of the water. He's like, no, not getting out of the water. (laughs) And I'm like, well, we're not standing here all day. He's like, just throw me my pack. I'll walk in the water. (laughs) So I picked up his backpack and I threw it to him and he put it on top of his head and he walked like chest deep in the water, in the lake. And I'm walking like on the shore and and we just circumnavigated the lake until we found some (laughs) place to camp. (laughs) so we um that like where we went in it was sort of open like uh almost like i don't want to say like a beach but it was like grass and then we walked around until we got to like this wooded area and so then we he got out of the water we set up the tent and we're camping like right on the edge now we're both you know we're both soaked um so we built the fire and everything and i had these i remember this very specifically these were police issue boots my dad was a sheriff's officer, so I, I knew about these boots. These were high-tech magnums, and these are the kind of boots that SWAT teams wear. And that, that was what I took because I didn't have hiking boots. And so I took that with me. And unfortunately, um, these boots are not meant for hiking, and they created a lot of friction. I have sweaty feet. They created friction, mm. and it actually rubbed the heel off of my foot. OK, so that's that's not good. So um, so anyway, um, the boots were wet and so were Jimmy's shoes. So we built the fire up and we put everything like around the fire to kind of dry out so that the next day, we, we, you know, we'd have dry footwear and then we go to bed. So we wake up in the morning and I, I go and I check the boots and I got one boot is mostly dry and the other one is still damp. So I'm like ah oh, man, so I, I start the fire back up, and I get it going, and I'm, I'm I'm talking to Jimmy. I'm like yeah, let's cook some breakfast, and then out of nowhere, one of the boots starts shooting fire out like a dragon. I mean like straight out flames are shooting out of the toe of the boot. I'm like ah, grabbing it, so I grab it. And I ran over to the water and I'm like dunking it in the water, and I'm like ah, oh, it's wet again. So because one of the boots was drier it caught fire and uh it it the front toe melted and then all the way up the laces caught fire it was like it was like a one of those like lines for dynamite like it just burned all the way up like all the laces were just crispy critter and we are like miles from the where we parked we're not you know like we've been going for a while right (laughs) So I'm like, oh man, what am I gonna do? I was like, what you know, we can't go camping anymore. I said I can't even walk in these things. So I had to take, I had this big like buoy knife. It was like a combat, it was all black with a rubber handle. It was this 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 combat knife that I bought in New York on a field trip or something. And I took that and I cut out the front of the toe. Just so that I could get the boots back on. Cause I I couldn't just like walk barefoot, right? So, um we're, we we I, I managed to get it on and we pack everything up after we eat. And because of the fire and sort of the disdain, I forgot the turtle shell leaning up against a tree because I took it with me. I'm like, oh, this is, I got to take this home. This is like the fantastic. But I forgot it there. So I don't have anything to corroborate the snapper turtle story. But it was big. <laughs> um, so you have the
1: picture of Jimmy.
0: I got the picture of Jimmy. I, I don't remember if I have a picture of the turtle shell or not. I don't remember if I took one, but I, I do have the picture with Jimmy. So we're looking at the map, and like I said, we'd gone off the trail. So I'm locating us based on where the lake is. And I'm like, okay, look, it looks like there's another trail, you know, off to the, the you know the, the east over here. We should be able to pick that up and then make our way back to the parking lot. So we start going, and the, my, my heels are, like, really, really bad. Like, I'm really getting rubbed. Like, mm-hmm. like it feels burning, right? And then I'm looking on. I, we stop at one, but we've been hiking for, like, an hour. And then I stop, and I'm like, we should have come to a turn to get, like, up the mountain. And I pull out the map again, and we were on the wrong ridge, We were on the ridge parallel to the ridge I thought we were on. We were going the wrong Mm -hmm. direction. So I'm like, we got to go back. (laughs) Mm. And Jimmy's like,
1: what are you talking about?
0: (laughs) So anyway, we finally made it back to the truck. And I had, I don't know, I didn't measure it. But let's say somewhere between an eighth of an inch and a quarter inch flap of skin coming off of my foot at the heel gross oh yeah it was really bad so i had to drive home my ford ranger which was a manual transmission you know i had to drive home barefoot that was that was the only way i could drive so uh yeah that anytime
1: was, a shoe anytime a shoe rubs a blister on your foot like that it, the worst is putting it back on again the next day and having to carry on
0: i it it hurts so bad I couldn't put socks on for two weeks. Mm. It was like, it was a, it wasn't a blister. It was literally just a flap of skin just came off. It was, it's never happened to me again since, but it was, that, that was bad. But that was, that's a wilderness survival story. I mean, you know, that, that, <laughs> that there was some survival involved for sure. Um,
2: well, yeah, nobody comes out and tells their survival death story. So
1: yeah, it's really They're rare.
2: All, it's yeah. pretty rare. It's That's it's true. often
1: made up by people that just find the corpse and who knows how accurate it is. So
0: so a little side note to that story. Uh, <laughs> I I I was on the fencing team when I was in college at Rutgers and we'd What's gone down, down to wasn't wasn't Baltimore. It was somewhere south of here and south of of New Jersey, I'm saying. And we we're staying at a hotel and the guys for some reason, wanted to go to Hooters. I was not a fan of Hooters. I didn't. I didn't like the whole, you know, crappy food with women tight stuff on. Um, but they all wanted to go, so we went as a team. And the waitress was very friendly, of course. And somehow or another, this story comes up. I think. It, I think it probably was like that summer that it had happened. So it was like fresh on my mind. And then this is like the winter. That's when fencing season is. So I tell this waitress the story and she's like eating out of the palm of my hand. Like she loves this story. She thinks that the whole thing is fantastic. And she even gets like a couple of the other waitresses to come over. And she's like, you won't believe what happened to this guy. And so then I, I got a picture of like me with like three Hooters girls and so then they, they leave to go and get our food and the stuff. And all of the guys on the fencing team are looking at me and they're like, that's a bunch of <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at them like, what are you talking about? They're like, you made that story up, dude. That didn't happen. I'm like that totally happened. Why would I make that up? They're like, that's not true. So, yeah. Anyway, that's that's my survival story. That's all I got. Just darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial energy lubes and stuff.
2: Hey there, this is Chuck down at Johnson's Hardware. Do your wilderness matches suffer from premature incineration? Don't you hate when your whole tin of matches light on fire because you slept too close to the freaking campfire? Do you worry the hot sun will start a fire in your pack and toast your trail mix? Well, we have the perfect survival product for you. Johnson's Fireproof Matches. No special tin required. Just toss them in your pocket and they'll never light you up. So safe a baby could use them. Literally. Buy one, get one this week only for... For 11.99 and receive a complimentary flint and steel. May cause upper respiratory illness. Not responsible for splinters. Do not ingest. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash makerskills. This was Chuck from Johnson's Hardware, signing off. What well, the nabbit? I need to get me
0: one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. It's time for crossbreeding.
2: Tom? What skill goes well
0: Ooh. with wilderness survival
2: skills? Design.
0: Design. Really? Really? <laughs> what are you designing in the wilderness, Tom?
2: I don't know. All kinds of stuff. My brain doesn't stop thinking. Oh, you could design a hut? You could design a dugout? No, I would say I would say I would say cooking. Cooking? Yeah, that's true. Cooking. Cooking. Yes. Yeah, good answer. Good answer.
0: Cooking is a good skill to have when you're in the wilderness, surviving.
2: Or would it be more like wilderness recipe knowing? Because then, like, if you know how to cook, like, a creme brulee, well, that would be baking. If you knew how to cook a... um, Uh, tom take the win take the win
0: i already agreed with you oh okay (laughs) yeah no i got it yeah Yeah, take the win yep all right
2: no yeah we'll just edit that out i'll i'll edit that out later you you don't you don't do any editing
0: tom never mind tanda tanda what what skill goes well with wilderness survival
1: i i think i'm just going to sidestep the whole wilderness cooking thing and say um the the skill of non-picky eating
0: that's not a skill tanda
1: yeah, develop, de- developing your skill of just eating anything. It's kind of like the sleeping, yeah. sleeping anywhere, anytime, eating anything <sighs> that, that,
2: that,
0: and being not, okay no. with it. Tandy, you, you, that's not a skill to not, to not be nope. picky, okay? That's not, to Tom, that's not a skill.
2: I beg to differ. I beg to differ. So you're saying, you're you're saying picky people can't get you're better very, at it? Tom. Yeah, you're very picky about what flies here, and you're just not skilled in this skill, apparently. And uh, I don't think you can be the judge of this one for that very reason.
0: Tom, between the three of us, you're you're the largest guy here. You don't have a problem with eating anything, so you don't count in this conversation. Yeah,
2: I'm pretty picky, actually. Yeah, it's quantity of single items. It's that's a problem. It's not diversity.
0: Oh, so then Tom's making my point for me. <laughs> Tanda, that's that's not a skill if Tom can't do it. So anyway, what oh, okay. what I'm is gonna your say, backup I'm going to say skill?
1: orienteering then?
2: Mm, hmm. Hmm. Orienteer- yeah. What does folding tiny pieces of paper into hats have to do with this? No, that's
0: origami, <laughs> Tom. That's not the same thing. This is Yeah,
2: what did she say?
0: Orienteering.
1: Ori- orienteering. Yeah. Same, thing. Yeah. That's
0: that's figuring out which direction you're going with a map and a compass. That's important. So what,
2: no, and, it's and little what's your, instructions on where to fold.
0: That no no you're, you're a, still you're still in the wrong area, Tom. Still in the wrong area.
1: But that's but it's a, good to keep your maps neat it is
0: yeah yeah i
2: know how to fold that map
0: well if you fold it like it might a, be a good one well if you fold you it as fold like it a red a panda cup. that's not going to help you could You
2: could fold your map into a cup and then drink from the cup and and live yeah you could say you i could know i know we're not going and there save yourself from the sunburn how many cups you could how fold many fold your map into a canoe if the map was big enough and you could float to safety I think I I think I've proven my point here. That's
1: that's true.
0: You've proven how that you need cu- to move on. How many on. cups?
1: How many cups of water did you drink as a kid out of out of a cup you made yourself out of a piece of paper?
2: Well, only one, and then you have to make another cup.
1: Well, it, it's not out of the same cup. You have to be quick about it. But uh, right, yeah. You I guys remember, made bad cups. A, Mine lasted several
0: drinks. Yeah, I used to make those all the time.
1: Is that your? Is that what you're going to use as your skill?
0: Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> that's 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 not. Because um, I not mean, my you're skill.
1: you're pretty good at it.
0: Oh yeah, my my cup my cup skill was was on point, but that's not what I'm talking about. That I'm going to go with the basics. The basics, which is starting a fire. You got to be able to start a fire. That's not a skill. Not that's
2: an it. activity. That's an activity.
0: There's a lot of people that can't start a fire, man. It's a skill. It's a skill.
2: That's fine. There's a lot of people that can't jump rope it's not a skill it's hey a, tom
0: if you don't have yeah. uh a, a lighter or some matches or uh, or anything mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that and you're out in the wilderness mm-hmm. do you know how to start a fire
2: mm-hmm. yeah how ask my buddy that came with me he's got a lighter no
0: your buddy's dead he fell off a cliff
2: <laughs> yeah still has a lighter
0: it's down at the bottom of a ravine you don't have the lighter
2: well, then it sounds like you need climbing skills. You probably start a fire, fire with your dead buddy.
0: <laughs> no, there is a way to start a fire without matches or a lighter, and that is a skill. That's
1: what I'm. Oh no, to no, say. you're thinking, uh, you're, tanda, you're pronouncing that wrong. You're pronouncing sidebar, it wrong. Tanda? Yeah, it's a, it's oh. called a, a steel,
2: not yes. a not a No, not a oh, no that's
1: yeah. not what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys, Tanda Sidebar. Yeah. I, I don't really have anything for the sidebar, but the sidebar timer went off and it popped up on my screen. So I clicked on it and we have to do a sidebar now. Oh, yeah. 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 Let's think of something. All right. Um, hmm. Something about how PJ's wrong about something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. About, yeah, uh, about whatever skill he's coming up with.
2: Right. Yeah. Fire starting is not a skill. It's an activity. Clearly. Right. But I think we've I think we've beat that with a dead horse already. So let's just get back to him and just tell him he's right. I I think I'm following you. and I'm ready to go back. Yeah. All right. All right. And then oh, when here, you see here. the
0: smoke, when so when the yeah. smoke starts curling, this that's is, when you know the fire is about to start.
1: Right. Because uh, you because you now you beat that it. That makes sense. You beat it with a dead horse. No. no you no. take
0: right. you Were take, you not your, listening to anything I just said?
2: No. To, we were both listening the whole time
0: yeah yeah the whole time
2: no i like i like the part
1: where you got out the kindling and you and you beat it with a dead horse did the thing with the stuff
2: at the place
0: horses do not start fires okay bears start fires that's why Smokey the bear is on tv all the time trying to tell you not to start fires
1: he's from here i've been to i've been to his grave really yeah he died well, eventually, Wait, who's telling, but not in the fire. Who's telling
2: elementary kids to he not to start fire? He, he was rescued. Why were they telling elementary he kids not start He was rescued, rescued from fires? a forest
1: fire, all all kind of charred up, and his mother had died. And but oh, he lived is, you you know, a for, a long, for a long for a long time. Hold on, but then they buried hold him on.
2: near where they where they found him. Can I point of order? The only time we were ever taught about fire prevention was. During the part of our life where we were not allowed to play with matches or lighters, so I don't understand why that. Why wouldn't they tell like adults to not start fires? They should have. Smokey the Bear should have been visiting, you know, nightclubs, not elementary schools. You you do have a point. They didn't even have yeah. the tools to.
1: I I. I mean, there were probably point. some scouts that could land. have started fires that. Yeah, that smoke Tom, you shouldn't have been telling him not to start. I I, I started true. plenty
0: of fires when I was about six and seven. I was a pyro when I was mm. a kid. Mm. I lit all kinds of things on you fire. See a doctor. That, that that bear was talking to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just telling you. I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I, I And you hey, still I ignored start, him. Start a lot of fires. Never set the forest on fire though was very smart about it
1: oh uh, that's good yeah. you were an urban pyro
0: yeah yeah i was, I was yeah. <laughs> we had uh me and my me and my buddy dave you know we used to we go out and we had those it was uh, where we lived in between the houses in between the streets there was forest so we would go in the forest in between the houses no one could see us and we had this giant stone that we use as a table and we would just put things on the stone we just light them on fire just because we like to watch them burn and then you know I got a little older and I got bored so I stopped doing it.
1: Well, it's probably good for the whole community.
0: Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's uh that's my skill. Fire starting, Tom. Deal with it. I like it. Hey, fellas, it's uh, till time. All right. So even though I don't really go backpacking so much now, it always has had a place in my heart. And I've always wanted to make a tool. And I have a very specific tool in mind. Back, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but there was a string of sort of wilderness movies. And uh, there was one with Anthony Hopkins, where I think it might have, it wasn't called The Bear, it might have been called The Bear, but basically it was him And I think one of the Baldwin's, and they were in the wilderness sort of fighting with each other, and there was a grizzly bear that was terrorizing them. And they ended up having to fight the bear, and the only way they could do it was by making like a spear and then getting the bear to impale himself on the spear. Like it was a very specific thing where you had to like get the bear to rear up on its hind legs, and then it has to fall on the spear. That's the only way you could defeat it. But anyway... I was thinking, if you're out backpacking, um, my favorite thing, one of my favorite things to have is a walking stick. And I was thinking, what if there was a multifunction walking stick? Like, what Mm -hmm. if it had a (laughs) built-in spear feature that, you know, it wasn't a spear all the time. And this kind of led me into, like, you've seen um, OTF knives. Which knives, which are out the front? This is like a a switchblade flings itself out to the side, and out the front knife comes mm-hmm. straight out of the slit. So I, I, right. I like a push pop. Like a push pop, <laughs> I wanted to figure out a way to build this into a walking stick.
1: Don't bring a push pop to a knife fight. If you Definitely well, not. if
0: you brought a push pop to a bear, he probably would take it and then leave you alone.
2: Ooh. So. Well, so a bear fight. Yeah, she's talking about
0: a knife fight. Well, bears don't carry knives.
2: Uh, not bears that you've met.
0: I've I've met Fact. quite a few. Yeah, they bears. Bears like screwdrivers. They don't like knives. I I don't know what the difference is, but
2: bears like beets. But they like beets. We'll they do like
0: beets. That's true. But anyway, um, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I I would like a multi function walking stick. And I have some other ideas, but I'd like to hear what you guys would bring to the table I like here. It. Yeah. <clears throat> well right now I'm Is
2: picturing- this survival centric? Is this for survival? Is this for like things you would bring into the wilderness to survive with a little bit?
0: Think of it like uh you're going hiking and this is something you're gonna yep. take with you. So it needs to Just be in case. Well, you know, it's it's multi It's it's you know, if if you're Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you want it to be sort of like the Swiss Army knife of walking sticks.
2: Okay. But mm-hmm. but there could be a med kit in it, for instance.
0: A small one, sure. Yeah, you could do yeah, that.
2: A, f- a flare gun. I I think it needs to be a flare gun.
0: Well, you could you could build like a, a flare section. You know, like it's a tube. You know, a walking stick is a tube, so you could have something where you could yep, pop right. it out and then just... You know, like just push button. It's not necessarily a gun, right?
2: Right, right, right. No, that's exactly what I mean. Yep, Tanda.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of picturing like um, you know, kind of a stereotypical survival knife. Maybe not real, but advertised, (laughs) um, where it has the compass in the hilt and the the little opening that Ah. you can put some matches in and stuff. But then there's a lot more room in a walking stick. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got the whole length of the walking stick. So if it was hollow, I was trying to think of other things that you could uh, maybe have, like, little compartments that open all the way down. You know, the whole thing is hollow, but they're, like, some kind of way. A utility uh, belt? Like, you can twist it and little compartments open all the way down the side or something. Uh, so
0: so one of the things that I wanted to put on it, uh, I, I I've hiked enough to realize when you're going up and down— certain types of trails, there are parts where you need to kind of pull yourself up. There's like something that's a little steep and there's like, there's trees and rocks and stuff, but you you don't really have good purchase. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to put on the end that touches the ground. I wanted that to be like a brass spike, but I wanted Mm -hmm. to have this option where you could kind of like push a, a little slide, like a little slide switch and down where the spike is, it sort of kicks out and makes almost like a hook. Mm-hmm. You know, almost yeah, like,
2: like a right. like a barb. Where yeah, you can, like a like barb. A barb. Like and
0: then you could hook it around a tree or something like that. You know, so you could pull yourself I like up. That. Um, but I also thought this might have sort of a like a double purpose. and so If you don't have the built-in knife, like this could also be used to sort of defend yourself. You've got a sharp metal spike at one end. You're you know coming as like a bear or a wolf or something like that.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like, like things that you wouldn't put in your backpack or carry with you normally. That might be handy to have. But it, uh, I mean, it could certainly function as a as a fishing pole or something. It could have something long in it that was, you know, that you're always hanging off the side of your backpack or something. So it could double as like a fishing rod.
0: There could be a fishing rod mm-hmm. inside. You could have a little compartment yeah. with a with one of those collapsible fishing rods.
2: Well no, it could be the fishing rod. It's just you're just dipping a line into the middle, you know, three feet out into the water to catch that fish or into a creek. Yeah. You don't need a flexible rod to catch a fish. That's true. Could be
1: could be either. Or it could be half and half. It could have a flexible rod inside yeah. that attaches to the end. So you have a little right. bit of flex out on the end and the rest is a is the rest of your fishing pole.
0: You could have um mm-hmm. you could have a section that's sort of up near the hand grip where you could sort of twist it to unlock and then pull it up and then when you pull it up it's a uh, like a flashlight but like a bar so mm-hmm. that as you're walking the light is always facing the direction that you're hiking if it's getting a little dark mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that way you don't have to hold yeah. a flashlight you've got the you got the walking
1: stick it could be an, an- yeah, I was antenna say
2: something like a uh, yeah it could be a beacon light too for um you know like on a like on a life vest kind of a thing
1: well that's just a button
0: yeah that's just you just switch it to flashing mode sure. or something like that
1: right 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 i'm trying oh. to yeah i'm trying to think of something unique that would that would be a pain to carry with you otherwise right but convenient but convenient Then an umbrella maybe but it's uh yeah there you go right. You could just use yeah. have it have it totally inside <laughs> yeah. of the walking stick. To carry around. Yeah. That's
0: either a yeah. really beefy walking stick or a really tiny umbrella.
1: A really tiny umbrella. Oh, it's like a yes. drink umbrella for when you get to camp. It oh. <laughs> just oh, pops it yeah. just pops out the end and you put it into your yes. uh, your cocktails Excellent. that you brought with you to the to the camp.
0: Oh, I completely forgot to tell you. That was part of the story uh, when Jimmy and I were hiking, um Jimmy was a lot older than me, and he he's I can't remember exactly how he got me to do it, but he's like, here here drink this.
1: Rugs, if subject, if, wrong. if yeah if we if if we were PJ we'd be we'd be harassing you right now about <laughs> we, not this <laughs> is not not the time for that. Well this <laughs> is but, this is not is the segment. short story.
0: Yeah I don't I don't like alcohol. <laughs> it okay? never is. I I don't like alcohol. He gives me his thermos or his uh, canteen. He's like here drink this, and so I'm like what is he goes just just drink it. So I drink it. And it just burns going all the way down right into my stomach. And I'm like, I'm like, this is disgusting. What is this? And he's like, it's rum. I'm like, why would you give this to me? I hate you. So that was somewhere on uh, that. I don't remember. That was the first day, though. That wasn't after the fire incident. Well,
1: that explains why he was still hung over on the 6th from the fourth of july is oh yeah hadn't hadn't stopped drinking
0: (laughs) no no he had not stopped he had been drinking for like two solid days so anyway back back to the the Uh, there there you
1: go a rum you know there could certainly be a compartment for some rum The
0: very Mm. small compartment
1: yeah i mean you just don't take much need enough for the the concert or whatever you're taking your walking stick into
0: So, there's, there's, I had an idea for something that was completely different, but this could be built into the walking staff or maybe some sort of attachment. I was trying to think of sort of a non lethal deterrent if you're in the forest and like an animal is approaching you and, you know, you're trying to get away. And I had this fascination with when I was in high school, the chemistry teacher had us burn strips of magnesium. If you've ever burned magnesium, Mm -hmm. it's super bright, like blindingly bright. And I always had this idea of making a magnesium gun where it was like, had like a cup, sort of like, almost like a little satellite shape to it filled with magnesium. And it was just a handle with a trigger and you just pull the trigger and it ignites the magnesium. It just makes this giant blinding flash I figured okay. that would scare off most animals.
1: I think they call those a flare gun,
0: but it doesn't shoot <laughs> yeah, anything. Already said that doesn't. It doesn't PJ, shoot. I already said flare oh,
1: gun. God,
0: it doesn't shoot a flare. It just is. You're holding <laughs> it, and it's just real bright. It's just. So a, it's a it's a just an old. It's an
1: old timey uh, limelight. It's just a, a flash. Yeah. 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 yeah,
0: just a flash, right? Yeah. But like blinding. Yeah. Blinding. There. Yeah. I don't
2: you, think that would work. I think bear spray or. Uh, there's a horn too right like a foghorn um oh yeah and a leghorn
0: you You could build that into the (laughs) walking (laughs) stick
1: yeah
2: no like uh yeah
1: you know what you know what it'd be be fun you know what'd be fun would be uh to have like a like a little butane canister in it and a striker at the bottom (laughs) so you could just be sitting there you know (laughs) like somebody's like working to try and light the fire in some traditional way and you're just kicked back in your camp chair and you reach out with your walking stick and just put it into the kindling and like, and just just you know use it as a flamethrower to light the fire. That that's definitely
0: good. a bear deterrent. Just, just yeah, saying. yeah.
1: Could do that as well. Bears don't if like you fire. Flamethrower, yeah, that's good for. They don't like to have their hair singed.
0: That too.
2: They man. don't like bigger bears. They don't like bigger bears either. So you could always just bring a bigger bear with you. That's not going to fit in
0: a walking stick.
2: A collapsible, bigger bear in the walking stick. Yes. Ooh, inflatable. <gasps> With a little CO two canister in it, it oh. a giant bear out of your backpack. <laughs> you, you pull out.
1: You pull out your walking out stick, bear. and you just hold it out in front of you, and you click a button, and <laughs> that giant inflatable giant bear, bear inflates instantly from a CO two cartridge.
0: That like might it. actually scare a bear, <laughs> or <laughs> anyone else. Yeah, like. yeah. I think I'd probably scare anybody. <laughs> you know you probably could have anything in there it could be like a giant inflatable like velociraptor or something pretty much anything right yeah all right i I think there's another idea we've come up with enough things that can't fit into this walking stick we've already like have like 89 (laughs) things that don't we probably Um, could fit like five have we
2: destroyed your idea yet oh it's totally totally
0: ruined yeah so my dreams have been crushed
2: we're going in with inflatable bear right? Is that the conclusion? I'll get right on it.
0: Yeah, that's what I want have it have it for Christmas Tom I want it I want it all wrapped up and don't forget the brass tip at the bottom with the barb I want that on there that's a that's a must.
2: Oh well,
1: you know well, what you well, know it'd well. be handy is if the if your walking stick was just like a giant like walking stick length bicycle pump and then you can just like pull the handle out like a couple feet like arm's length and then use it for blowing up your air mattress.
0: No, you don't... God, Tanda. Nobody's bringing an air mattress backpacking.
1: No, this is wilderness survival. This isn't backpacking. This is wilderness survival. No one's
2: bringing an inflatable mattress mattress
0: for wilderness survival. You don't... She didn't
2: say you have to bring your air mattress. She just said bring your air mattress pump.
1: Right. (sighs) I mean, if your CO2 cartridge fails, you've got to have some way to inflate your bear.
0: Have you ever inflated a bicycle tire with one of those pumps?
1: Oh, yeah. Many times.
0: Yeah. You'd be there that's for three hours trying to inflate a mattress.
1: No, that's why That's why you have the extra long walking stick pump. You get a little bit more inflation per stroke. You, uh, you could I'm, probably, I'm done. I mean, I'm you'd get, get tired after, you. after a couple days. Yeah. You'd get tired, and you could sleep on a half-blown-up air mattress. No. Because you'd does. be so tired.
0: Tom make hers with a pump. I don't want the pump, okay? Just leave the pump out of mine. <laughs> I don't want the pump. I don't want the pump. Just saying. She can have it. I I don't want it.
2: <laughs> name me your sex tape. <clears throat> yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, fellas i'm not
2: cleaning up all these tools
0: all right it's time for short and sweet tom do you have anything to wrap up the show
2: i do coming in at 58 minutes on reddit i've got 10 upvotes and some good information for you uh from m kapinski or maybe it's mko pinski i'm not sure uh your question made me think of this article about how they transmit the tv signal for the Tour de France, so I posted. I wasn't kidding. I posted on mm-hmm. Smarter Every Day's Reddit. subreddit yep. about yep about uh, the what was it? Helicopter? Oh, helicopter cell tower? Question mark? Uh, question marks go further on Reddit, I think. But he's uh, and then he posted the freaking article. Like this guy was awesome. As the riders begin each stage, a fleet of motorcycles, helicopters, and fixed-wing aircraft spring into action. The motorbike-based cameras and the lower-level helicopters broadcast their camera signal to a relay aircraft circling above, which then... Sa- I'm going to stop there. I think drone planes, like a network of autonomous drone planes, would be a more effective solution for this. But it could easily narrow in on a cell phone signal... Um, and, and talk between themselves to really narrow in on that signal. Now, granted, the person has to have a cell phone on them and it has to be on. So, that's fine. Like, one guy was like, um... Sorry, two seconds. Two seconds. Where'd it go? Maybe he took it down because he's an idiot. Tom? But he said uh, something like, cell phone batteries don't last more than, th- you know... Oh, here, most smartphone batteries won't even last three days. Two is already a stretch for a lot. I don't know how useful that'd be that's literally all he wrote so he went somewhere in his mind that said the the fail point is the battery life of a sm- smartphone but i'm like what if the statistics are that you know most people are reported missing within 12 hours because they're expected to be somewhere and they are not and 12 hours is plenty of time for a cell phone to send a signal potentially to, uh, yeah or maybe they're or if they're conserving it if they're conserving it plain network so thinking
1: Tom? that they need to turn it on yeah.
0: this this brings up sort of a, a more reasonable solution you could take a regular sized drone, okay? Like a like bigger than a toy sized, but like a, not not an airplane. Just a, like a drone that like you like a like a Mavic Pro, but like maybe twice sure. this big, okay? Sure. There is there is a way to set that up. Um, you know how RFID tags work, you know, where they can mm-hmm. you can sure. ping the location. There is a way to set those drones up where they can just keep flying and trying to ping for a cell signal and then home in on it. Sure. Like, it doesn't need to well, be triangulated I mean, to like what a cell the, tower.
1: Well, I mean, that's essentially right. what what we're talking it's about. It's just that, a cell phone antenna, just, just an antenna I'm, for the same frequency. Right.
0: Right. right. But that would be a lot more cost-effective than a helicopter or a plane or anything like that. Like, you could fly a drone... You know, like, like you could just set it up to keep sweeping the area yeah, but until drone- it finds something. I think something.
1: Drone- you'd be better off like over Yosemite or something with just the traditional helicopter because you could fly out over a long ways. You can't fly a right. drone. You would need a drone for-
2: to cover that range. It's miles. You can't do that with a Maverick. You, right. you would well, need- I'm saying and I'm something saying drone bigger. doesn't mean quadcopter. Drone means uh, an autonomous flying vehicle. So I'm saying it could just be smaller drone aircrafts. Um, and you could send out 10 of them and cover so much space so quickly and all you need is one little hit to then circle back in that area a
1: predator predator drone with a thermal camera might be a good way to take out your lost folks as well there you go and then you yeah, don't have to take yeah
0: we're not we're not trying to kill them so anyways Ganda. oh
1: yeah
2: yeah anyways i, I got 10 upvotes in yeah. under an hour and uh, it's the most successful reddit post i've ever had and i'm proud of it
1: that's good, and I didn't. I I only made eight of them. I only gave you eight of the up <laughs> votes.
2: Son of a b- <laughs> <sighs> Oh, Tanda. What is, does this make any sense? Uh, off-the-shelf equipment such as a Hack RF One SDR yep. could conceivably be used for this. Okay, conceivably you know what that means so it's a real thing. It's a okay.
1: it's a software-defined radio, well, and he so said it's it may a,
2: be already be used for this, just not legally. So who knows?
1: Yeah, you can sniff cell phone um, signals um, yep. with a software-defined radio. And HackRF is a very popular one.
2: Yeah, so we have the technology.
1: Yeah, there you go. I was just looking at using one of those to do a simulated um, CubeSat.
2: Oh, yeah, I do CubeSats all the time. That's cool. That's cool, 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 cool. cool. Oh, cool. I'll, <laughs> let, PJ, you, I'll you let you in on it. you have anything short and sweet? <laughs>
0: did did, uh, um tanda was that all your contribution was the cubesat or did you have something else
1: oh no i was going to throw out a little bit of trivia um so here's a little bit of trivia to kind of harass both pj and tom because tom thinks that new mexico is uh like a a barren um you know sub-saharan uh lowland and uh and so he was surprised when we got snow. So I thought I'd uh, throw out this little bit of trivia. So, uh, Tom, do you know? Do you know what is a uh, thousand and thirty-eight feet lower than the lowest point in New Mexico? What? A uh, nuclear high, h- bomb? high Point, High Point, New Jersey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. No kidding.
1: Yeah, yeah. High Point, New Jersey is is thousand thirty eight feet lower than the lowest point of new mexico which is a reservoir down in southern new mexico
2: that was a fact on the fly right there yeah
1: so that was uh that was a an interesting bit of trivia so that's that's all i have for short and sweet to keep it short and sweet Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: well done well done pj you got long and slow short and sweet (sighs) long and bitter what you got
0: i'm going to thank our patreon members I don't. I don't feel like oh, thanking waiting. Tanda after she just dissed my home state like that. That that felt <laughs> really. I don't, I don't like that. But well, if it, but if I, it makes I, you
1: feel better, the highest point is uh, is is twelve over twelve thousand feet higher than High Point, New Jersey.
0: That's not helping, Tanda. That's oh, not helping. Okay. New Jersey's a small state. Okay, leave New Jersey alone.
1: Yeah, right? small and short. Oh God.
0: Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not thanking Tanda this week. I'll thank Creator Nader because he's a good Patreon supporter doesn't say any he kind is. of derogatory facts about my home state
2: well you haven't seen my dms
0: <sighs> you trying to get on my bad side too tom is that what, is that what's going on here huh
2: oh dude if i'm not on your bad side we've been doing so many episodes for no reason
0: that's what i'm saying that's exactly my point you're doing it wrong both of you doing it wrong do better that's what i'm trying to say right. do better um do as, better. For me, should... as for me as for me Mm-hmm. My short and sweet is that our pre-show took so long. I ate my chocolate chip cookies before the show started. And that's all I got to say.
1: That's all you got to say. We should thank all of our patrons. There's Gary and Jack and Marsh no, no, and Dave and Eric Nader. and Aaron and David and Emery and Creator Nader and uh, Old Timey Tools and Ben and Seth and Lauren. We should we should thank all of them. Thank you.
0: I'm I'm not going to thank, thank, thank them Tanda. That's not the show. I'll thank you oh. twice, then. Yeah, this I'll is. Thank you for this PJ is,
2: on behalf of PJ.
0: Well, thank you, you already thanked them. That's
1: the I, I was n- oh. never. Tana,
2: can you mute? Tana, can you mute PJ?
1: Yeah. No, no Tanda geez, can't. Uh, side sidebar, Tom.
2: Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Thank you.
1: That's how you do that. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Now we should go back because we're already running late. So let's wrap it up. Uh, oh, PJ's That's, back.
2: This is a short and sweet sidebar. Oh, we, nobody can hear him. Oh man, he's talking, but nobody. I, the button. This, I think we permanently deleted him. I broke this the button. Great. I like it. I like it. I like it.
0: All right, yeah, <laughs> fine. There we go. All right, yeah. So you can't oh. keep me muted, okay? You can't keep me muted. That's not. That, that, we're going to the secret segment. All right, we're going to the secret segment. We're gonna deal with this there. That's all I got to say. Patrons
2: I'm, only. Yeah,
0: only for the patrons. That they're the ones that are gonna hear this. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.